to the ALT Insider Podcast, dedicated to making you have the most fun possible while living or dreaming about living in Japan. Whether you've been here for years or are just starting to consider it, we've got you covered. And now, your host, broadcasting from somewhere in Japan. James. James, your ALT Insider Podcast, episode number 160, coming at you again with a bonus episode before i get into this bonus episode i want you to know that this podcast is a part of the japan podcast network where you can find other podcasts about japan and you can find that at japanpodcastnetwork.com i also want to let everyone know this podcast is supported by patreon and the patreon q a video went live today so if you haven't checked it out go to the youtube channel or the link in the show notes page to see the latest patreon q a video so yeah welcome to the bonus show and speaking of bonus shows this Thursday, well, there'll be another bonus show, and then there'll be an extremely special episode on Friday. So yeah, this is just um, more ALT Insider Podcast than anyone could ever want in one week. Uh, reason for that will come will come out on Thursday, actually. So stay tuned for Thursday. will be a bonus episode, a special episode. I'm putting a lot of time and effort into that one. So yeah, stay, stay, stay tuned for that one Thursday, guys, if you're listening to this live, of course. That will be uh, May the 10th. And if you're not listening to this live, hey, it's already out there for you, so go listen to it. But yeah, this is a very ALT Insider podcast-filled uh, week, so it, it's more. Hold on to your butts on this one. Um, as for this week's episode, though, this one's all about learning Japanese. And uh, more specifically, this is about the exact way I learned Japanese and I got a job in Jap- you know, translating Japanese and editing translations, all that stuff. So this is with Matt from Matt vs. Japan. He's a YouTube channel. And if you've heard me talk about how to learn Japanese, I always mention all Japanese all the time. I also mention Heisig's book called Remembering the Kanji, and that's how I do it, and that's how I always tell people to do it the same way. Um, and uh, Matt here is someone that also follows that method, and he helps people do the method. It kind of modernizes it and fills in some of the gaps that uh, the alljapaneseallthetime.com website has kind of left for people. Um, so yeah, I definitely wanted to have him on when I watched some of his videos on his YouTube channel because you know he's you can see he's passionate about the 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 method as I am as well. Um, I think that way to learn Japanese is a big part of my life in Japan. To be honest, like uh, I still can remember the, when I was in ALT, Saturday and Sunday, sitting in my room making flashcards with, with using my Anki and you know, and it was just kind of and of course then it was like wow, I'm really studying is kind of hard. But now looking back, I remember it was a fun time, you know, because I feel myself was getting better and learning, and that's what. Matt's trying to help people do now, so that's what I want to, you know, share as well. Get, get people on that, that feel the same about all Japanese all the time, because it's a really magical method. So yeah, go check out his YouTube channel for sure, Matt vs. Japan. And yeah, listen to this episode, and you can get a lot of his thoughts on how, you know, all about all Japanese all the time, why he thinks it's good, and why he thinks it'll help you, you know, get Japanese, learn Japanese, and maybe why it's not for you also. We get into that as well. So yeah, without further ado, let's get to it. My episode with Matt versus Japan. And remember, be sure to listen this week on Thursday, bonus episode, and then on Friday, a very, very, very special episode is waiting for you guys as well. So, see you then. Enjoy. Alright guys, very special guest today. His name is Matt, and he was suggested by last, last week's guest, the very polarizing TK, yo, Sam. And he said you were kind of continuing the legacy of all Japanese all the time, the kind of method to study Japanese yeah, that I yeah. sing the praises of for, for many uh, years here now on the podcast. So, I looked into you, looked on your website, your YouTube, and found a lot of cool stuff. I especially like the very extended look at you, you. You tried all Japanese all the time, and you explained what you thought about it, the good points, the bad points. So I thought it was really cool. So I said, "Hey, you got to get on the show." And you were on the show. How you doing today, Matt? 
Cool, cool. Yeah, thanks a lot. I mean, I just woke up, so I'm still a little sleepy, but yeah, it's great to be on. Thanks for this opportunity. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so it definitely, uh, you know, he's put it as the way you were kind of carrying the legacy of All Japanese All the Time because uh, for anyone who doesn't know, All Japanese All the Time is a way to learn Japanese. as simple as that. All Japanese All the Time. You do it all the time. There's a lot of flashcards involved as well, but yeah, something we'll get into that soon. But uh, yeah, it's kind of died down in activity, but you were kind of picking up the torch there, right? Is that a good way to put it? Yeah, actually, I, you know, I think it is. And when I first started my YouTube channel, that wasn't really what my intention was. Because at first, I didn't really think of myself as a leader or anything. Like, I was going to guide other people. I kind of was just, you know, someone doing the method. And I discovered some cool stuff. And I just wanted to share it with other people. Because there really was so little age-out-related activity on the internet uh, at that time. Just a few years ago when I, you know, when I was coming up. And I was hoping there would be other people who would do the same thing, you know. And we'd all have a kind of community going where we shared stuff. But it kind of turned out that I was the only one who had kind of already been through it and was still hanging around and willing to talk about it to to newcomers and stuff. So before I knew it, I was kind of like Katsumoto, the guy, the original uh, creator of the website. That was kind of people started calling me his replacement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's I mean, that's a cool place to be for me. He was definitely uh, very inspirational to me when I found his website. I still remember that day when I found his website and I uh, read for hours about about it. And then just that was my kind of. Okay, I got to get serious about it. That was it. So I, I guess before we get to that, I want to learn. I always start people, guests on the show with, you know, mostly I interview people working in Japan and try to learn their kind of how they got to that job. But obviously, that's not the case with you, right? You are not working in Japan. So can you tell people what are you exactly doing right now? Where are you living? All that kind of stuff about you a little bit. Yeah, well, right now I'm just in Portland, Oregon with this place where I grew up and I'm doing YouTube and Patreon for right now. Mm, uh, cool. I still – I. I I was uh, going and actually getting a, a my BA in Japanese, and I have a year left on my degree, but uh, I took some time off because I'm, I'm ne- school's kind of tough for me because I really have never been a fan of school. So I got to go go back and finish that degree in the within the near future, and hopefully go over to Japan. <laughs> cool. So uh, just to get the for the for booking purposes, you have never you have never worked in Japan, and is that something you want to do, or something you're looking to do in the future, or is it just that's not even part of it for you? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I went. I spent half a year going to high school in Japan. Okay. Uh, like five years back. So that's I have lived in Japan, but yeah, I wasn't working or anything. And then I I do definitely want to go and try working in Japan because the thing is, like, when I was in high school, uh, I didn't speak Japanese yet when I was over there, and I I, w- I went through a foreign exchange program where the school they sent me to was uh, a shingakko, like a place where all the kids were trying to get into a really good college and they were really serious about their studies. And that school kind of specialized in English. So they actually had foreign exchange students come just pretty much with the hopes that they had helped the, the kids, you know, learn English a little better. Mm-hmm. And so it was a very, like, practical thing for them. And oh. so, you know, I was over there and they were, you know, they didn't want to go and do karaoke on the weekends. They were, like, really all study. And I was in Gunma Prefecture, by the way, which is also kind of the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And and I didn't speak Japanese. And so I was I had a kind of an awful time in Japan. My class was super boring because I didn't under you know, there was no I had no hope of understanding biology in Japanese and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, everyone was really nice to me. Everyone would high five me when they walked by me in the hallway. But no one would really kind of, you know, actually sit down and try to have a conversation with me because we didn't speak the same language. You know, I don't blame them. Like we couldn't communicate. Okay. So still, you know, still kind of zoo animal ish. Like people you were kind of the, yeah, oh, here, yeah. the oddity there, right? Totally, totally. And so, I mean, I was only like 16, 17, or yeah, 17 at the time. And so, like, you know, I had really intense culture shock. It really got to me. And also, I mean, I didn't understand Japanese culture either. So I was kind of a brat and my host family didn't like me that much. And so I didn't really like them because they didn't like me. And I basically (laughs) had a really awful time in Japan. And I kind of came back home and uh, and and I 
I don't know. Part of me was like, man, maybe I should just give up on this Japanese stuff. Because at, at that point, when I had gotten back from Japan, I was about one year into into doing AJAT. And I was getting close, like, I felt like I was halfway to what you might call fluent. Yeah. And so I didn't want to throw that away. Uh, and But I also had this kind of conflict inside of me where I know I had a bad experience in Japan. But I don't know. I just... I, there was no real logic behind it. I was just like, well, I've come this far. I want to keep doing like I know that if I keep this up, I'm going to have some real a Japanese ability. I think that's cool. And so I just kept it up. And so now, you know, I've never been in Japan since I've been fluent in Japanese, you know, and since I've had a deeper understanding of the culture. And so in my mind, I really like I don't know what it's going to be like next time I go over there. Like maybe I'll go over there to work and maybe I'll really like it and maybe I won't. But I feel like there's no way for me to know just speculating over here in America. So I kind of just feel like I got to go over there and find out. That's cool. Yeah. And I guess you said a, a, a hot word I want to hit on. You said you are. You self-proclaimed fluent in Japanese, right? So uh, <laughs> what does that mean? So that's a, something that I've said. It's, it's a kind of a loaded word, right? What does it mean? Can, can oh, yeah, you say totally. you're fluent? So what, do you, what, do you, what is the definition for you? Okay. Well, I just want to preface this with that. I, don't, I also think this is a really loaded term and <laughs> it really doesn't have any meaning, right? Because mm-hmm. The way I think about it is that all skills in life, uh, there's a complete spectrum from complete beginner to, you know, world class expert. Like if you take playing piano or something, you know, kids start taking piano lessons and they go all the way up. And then some people become concert pianists. And it's like if you could somehow quantify it with the numbers, it's like it would just go up like one, two, three, four, five. And it's the same thing with language ability. Right. Yet for some reason, we somehow arbitrarily draw a line somewhere where we say, OK, you either have it or you don't. Yeah. When in reality, there's it's just a complete spectrum. And so. Where you draw that line, I mean, everyone draws it at a different place. But I think for me, kind of subjectively, the first time I really thought like, oh, wow, I'm fluent in Japanese is like about a year and a half or two years after I'd gotten back from Japan. I was just doing I was studying Japanese pretty much alone, just at home, you know, like watching Japanese TV shows all day, reading Japanese books all day. But I wasn't really interacting with Japanese people. I was just trying to get input. And then I, I had this opportunity to go and basically guide these Japanese exchange students around Portland, Oregon, my town. They were just coming uh, like I think they were college students just coming for two weeks, you know, over a little like summer exchange. And like I could speak Japanese with them. Like I understood almost everything they said to me. I could say what I wanted to say back and they understood me no problem. And it just kind of hit me like, oh, wow, like I can totally communicate in this language. I mean, I don't sound great. Like I'm not very articulate or anything, but like it didn't feel like a burden to have to com- to communicate most of the things I wanted to communicate, you know? Yeah, that's it felt point. like. Yeah, yeah. Like I, it was really just using Japanese as, as a tool and I was being mostly successful in it. And that was when it really kind of hit me like, oh, if someone asked me, am I fluent in Japanese? Like I would say yes. Mm. OK, yeah, that's, I think that's a good way to say it. I mean, it wasn't it's not a burden, right? You don't from me freak out about it. It's a good way to say it. Uh, yeah, I think it's just really it's about what you believe, right? If you think you're fluent, then you are kind of right. You know, that's the most that's the most yeah, important thing yeah. I say, you know. But I mean, I, I think also the thing with that is that like when I was first started studying Japanese, I really thought that fluency was a thing like an on or off switch. And, you know, I read the AJAT website and on the AJAT website, Katsumoto says, hey, I became fluent in Japanese in 18 months. And and I also like and I did this while going to school and having jobs and everything. And so in my 16 year old mind, it was like, oh, cool. If I do exactly what he says, I'm going to be fluent in 18 months. 
And I just <laughs> basically thought that would mean I'd be almost perfect. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. I didn't really think it through. And so I remember even being in Japan and being like, oh, OK, it's been one year. I guess that means six months until I'm fluent. And I bought all <laughs> these like really hard Japanese novels. And I was like, I'm going to be able to read these in six months, like perfectly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and I think uh, that kind of phrase is what like keeps Japanese Pi 101 and stuff uh, getting money. You know, in, in, in 10 months, you can be fluent Japanese, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And then once once I got there, I kind of realized like, oh, fluency isn't a thing. Like, it's just like, like I said, you kind of you have that realization like, oh, language ability is just a spectrum. And it's like, just because I can read like just because I can watch, say, Dragon Ball Z and understand it perfectly doesn't mean I'm going to be able to understand the news. And just because I can like read a novel doesn't mean I'm going to be able to read like a history textbook, you know, and every you kind of realize that it's you, like the way I think about language ability now is kind of like when you have like a video game like guidebook and for each of the characters it has like that little hexagon with all the different stats like attack defense and they have all the weaknesses and, and strengths i feel like it's that like a language ability is kind of like that but there's like 50 different or more like different categories that you need to kind of train and they're all kind of independent from each other yeah so yeah. it's like like people compare me to other uh you know japanese you like youtubers who you know like are also foreigners and speak really good japanese and they're like hey do you think you're better than so and so and I'm always like, well, I mean, I don't know. Like, you'd have to show me the inside of his head, first of all, because a lot of it's really subjective, like mm -hmm. what it feels like. Because it's like it's you can I can pretend to be better than I am. Right. Like I can only say things that I'm really sure is right. And I can like be extra careful about my pronunciation. But on the inside, I'm trying way harder than I try when I speak English. So it's kind of kind of cheating in a way. But yeah. also it's like like. If you're someone's making a YouTube video, they're only they're talking about what they're like in Japanese. They're showing their strengths and they're probably hiding their weaknesses. Right. And also you could, there's many takes on the stuff. Like, I don't know how good that guy is at like reading classical novels or like at discussing his emotions in Japanese and stuff. And so it gets so, so complicated, you know, mm, yeah. so, so subtle for me, for me, that's one of you, you hit on one of the things that was a problem for me was I got to the intermediate level, which as they say is the, in learning a language and skiing, intermediate level is the worst. It's the most dangerous, right? Because you kind of get enough to talk to people, but if you, if you don't push harder, you kind of can stay there and you can feel kind of comfortable, right? Oh, okay, I can talk to anyone I want to. But I was I found myself keeping the conversations in, in, in the topics I wanted to keep them in, right? So like, oh, we're going to talk about games right now, and I can talk about that for hours in Japanese. But breaking out of that is a little bit scary, you know what I mean? Then that's, for me, that way I said, when I can talk about whatever I want to talk about, that's fluent for me. And I still don't think I'm there, really. I mean, I, I, it's, that, that's what that's what fluency is for me personally. You know what I mean? But that's it's a different definition for everybody, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, maybe you could define it as when, because it's like the like one thing that you realize once you get pretty far into Japanese is that there's a Japanese way of saying pretty much anything you would want to say. And so it's like if you want to talk about skiing in Japanese, you have to know the specific words that they use for each and each skiing term, you know. And so you can't just like study Japanese from anime and then know how to talk about skiing like a Japanese person. But if you reach a certain point, you're going to be able to work around your weaknesses. You know, like you'll be able to just use basic verbs and nouns to describe the actual acts, even though you don't know the, the technical term for it. And you'll still be understood. So I don't know, maybe you could call once you can do that on any topic to be some kind of meta level of fluency. Yeah, but it yeah. still definitely is like like for me, like I would never be satisfied with with having to work around stuff that a Japanese person would just have a word for it. It's like, because yeah, yeah, it, then you're still kind of handicapped in a way, even though you can still function. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So let's, let's, before we, some people that don't know what age it is now are like, Oh, what are you guys talking about? I'm out of here. They are turned off by now. So let's kind of get what that is. So, uh, you know, I've talked about it before, but what's your definition of all Japanese all the time? Um, 
Yeah, I know it's you go for a long time on that. So give us a quick outline. What does that mean? What is the study methods behind all Japanese all the time in, in a concise way, if you please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, concise. That's hard, but I'm going to try. Uh, so AJAT stands for all Japanese all the time. And it's really kind of a methodology to approaching language acquisition. And I would say the key component is that it's based off Stephen Krashen's input hypothesis. So humans like there's a difference between learning in language and learning a language and then acquiring a language. Learning is just when you're memorizing stuff like how you memorize math formulas so you can solve problems. But acquisition is how we learn our first language. It's when our unconscious mind really figures it out. And so that we can use like function in that language without having to translate and go through our, our first language. And it's actually an unconscious process. It's not something that you do consciously, like memorizing vocab. It's more like, you know, you if you expose yourself to the language enough and, you know, you have comprehensible input, your brain will slowly figure it out, just like a baby's would pretty much if you give it the opportunity. And so that's at the core is that you don't want to be, you know, forcing yourself to speak too early on because uh, if you like like I was just saying a second ago, there is only one natural way to say any given thing in Japanese. And so if you don't know that way to say it and you're just making up new Japanese, then you're probably going to be wrong. And and so it's basically this mindset of that language. Speaking a language isn't a creative process because it's already set in stone. There's already a right answer for everything. So it's just a matter of taking like and that right answer is outside of you. Right. So instead of like, creating new Japanese, which is bound to be wrong, you just have to take in the right, the correct Japanese from Japanese people inside of you. And you do that through input. And so you don't actually need a, a live living Japanese person to do this. I mean, you can you can use one, but TV shows and like radio and books work just as well, because at the beginning part, you're just, you know, you're like a baby, right? Like a, the baby spends uh, the first couple of years of its life just inputting, just listening, not speaking itself. And so that comes later on. And so that's kind of at, at the core is that you you put off speaking for a while and you really just focus on learning to understand the language first. And that's kind of like I think the other key component that of of AJAP before I get into the more technical stuff is that like you the more you expose yourself to the language, the better, like because it's really just comes to a matter of time. Right. And so it just takes this just takes that to the extreme where it's like, OK, well, like if you're going to the bathroom, why not be listening to Japanese or going to the bathroom? You know, like if you're if you're walking, if you have to go like on a train ride, listen to Japanese on the train ride, just fill every single crack in your life in Japanese. Put your computer into Japanese, put your phone's operating system into Japanese, like only watch Japanese movies, get the Japanese dub of all your favorite shows. Like if you are a programmer, buy a programming book uh, in Japanese and learn learn that in Japanese. Just do whatever you would be doing anyway, but do it in Japanese and really kind of it's kind of this ground figure reversal because I I realize like most normal language learning programs, even people who have very similar philosophies, the thing that really sets age out apart is that those other people, they still think of Japanese as like an activity that you do separate from the rest of your life, where it's like you have your life, which is done in English, and then you do Japanese for a certain amount of time each day. And then once you're done, you go back to your native language to chill. But AJAT says, no, 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 like that Japanese is the ground. That's your life. You live your life in Japanese. And then you might take a break from that to do something in English for a little bit. But as soon as you finish that, you go back to your home, which is Japanese. And it's really that mindset of look, taking any crack in your life and seeing that as an opportunity to say, hey, I could add Japanese here. That's at, really at the core. And so it's like I changed a lot of the technical aspects of AJAT. And some people ask me like, hey, why do you still call yourself AJAT if you like changed a couple of things about it? But I think the really most important thing about AJAT is that mindset right here of like you like turn your entire life, like 
view your life as if it was a video game and have every single like moment of your life be an opportunity to improve your skill. And that that's really at the core. And I and I think that's the most important thing. And I and I don't want to lose that. So that's why I still say like the little, you know, how you make your flashcards, that's secondary, really. So it's yeah, still so agent at the core. Yeah, so I would ask about that. So yeah, the, um, basically it's like the super immersion thing, right? It's like you know hi- the highest level of immersion you can possibly get. It's, a, it's kind of what I say it is the in the simplest terms, right? Like you surround your life is just Japanese basically, and English is a thing you if you have to do it, it's like that's taking a break from your Japanese learning. Yeah, yeah. But also there's a huge component of it. Well, as you you think, seem to say differently now, but when I was learning it, a huge component was also the flashcard side of things. Uh, you know, digital. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, no. I mean that's so. It's still oh. definitely a huge component. It's still okay. definitely because so just I just like you got to lay the groundwork of the mindset because they're like now I'll explain the more technical like aspects. Just some people, they grab the technical stuff and run off with it without the foundation of, you know, learning through input, learning through immersion and having your whole life be immersed. And so it's like if, if you don't have that foundation, the technical stuff loses its its value, really. Right. Mm. So you just got to have the have the priority set straight. And so then once you understand that as a foundation, then, yeah, so. The more technical of like what do you actually do? Well, first you you learn the kanji first, which I think was something that was pretty a pretty radical idea. It's like, but don't learn any grammar, don't learn any vocab. First, learn kanji, and and you use James Heisig's book, Remembering the Kanji, which only teaches you how to write the characters and the meaning of the characters. So you don't worry about how they're read, and you don't worry about how they make words at all. You just first thing right off the bat, you use this book, which uh, I mean. It's a to explain why it works so well is a whole nother story, but yeah, it's yeah. organized in a very efficient fashion so that within a couple months, uh, if you're if you combine it with this with the of a space repetition system, you can learn the writing and meaning of two of the two thousand most common characters and actually retain that. Yeah, I can say that's true. That's hundred percent true. I did that. I took me two and a half months to do that for for real. Yeah, and I still still even I'm a translator, right? It's part of a huge part of my income is translation. There's still words that come up. I said, I can't read that, but I know what it means exactly because of that thing I did eight years ago now. So that's something I can't agree with more. You know, it's just so it's awesome. The yeah, yeah. System. I mean, one of the logic behind it is that like if you watch Chinese people who learn Japanese, they improve so much faster and they reach such higher levels than traditional like Western learners of the language. And why is that? It's because they know the characters already, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's kind of like, OK, well, first become a Chinese person. Because they don't know Chinese people don't know how to read the kanji right in Japanese, but they know how to what they look like and they know the meaning. So it's like okay, first just catch up to a Chinese person. Then it only takes a couple months if you do it in the this way. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. yeah, then I mean Katsumoto kind of says just start learning sentences right off the bat. Like don't worry about grammar, just learn sentences. But I think it's useful to have like a ver- a little foundation of grammar. Uh, and and I mean Katsumoto still did like he recommended this one little thin. <laughs> kind of grammar guide called uh, all about particles but i mean i think it's useful to use grammar but not the way that most people use it most people think of grammar as a tool to produce the language right it's like an instruction booklet like okay i'm going to think in english and then i'm going to use this this formula that the textbook gave me to con- to like move the order around and convert that into japanese mm-hmm. but i mean like i said before if you're producing your own language and think like thinking in your in english and trying to translate that it's not going to be pretty and so definitely don't use uh, grammar as a tool to produce Japanese, but I think Japanese grammar can be a useful tool to make Japanese more comprehensible because your first goal in learning language is becoming able to understand it, right? And then you learn from that because like Stephen Krashen says, you acquire language when you understand messages in the language. 
And so grammar can make things more comprehensible, right? It just it's a tool to, that boosts your understanding initially. So I, I recommend this guy, this guide called Take Him's Guide. It's like uh, it's, this guy, Take Him, has a really no bullshit down to earth grammar guide that's not too long. And it just uh, it's based off like the way Japanese is not what's useful to learn. Like if you look at the Genki textbook, it's organized off. It, it's organized in a way so that after you read the first chapter, you can go have a fake conversation with someone on the street, you know. But it's not actually it's like they teach you the MOS forms and the like the polite forms of Japanese before the actual the dictionary forms, because that's going to be more useful for you off the bat. But it doesn't actually make that much sense from a language point of view, because you're yeah. like it's it's kind of backwards. And so take him teaches you not what's going to be useful, but what's like it actually builds a foundation from the floor. up. Yeah. yeah, And then it's like, yeah, that's I mean, obviously, yeah. I can't say anything else. But yes, I agree. Totally. Um, so I want to know about like, you know, people out there listening now are like a lot of people are you know, going to go to Japan in the next month or two, maybe with, they're going to be jets program people. But there are obviously a lot of people are interested in learning Japanese. Um, I say a jet doesn't work unless you, it's like a burning desire in your soul to learn Japanese, right? Like there's, you can't be halfway at all. Like if you are not a hundred percent, if you're 99.9%, a jet won't work for you. Uh, what do you think about that? Is that something you agree with? Disagree, agree, disagree. What do you think? No, I think that's pretty much true, but at the beginning, it's like once you hit a pass a certain threshold, it becomes a lot easier to continue on with it, even without kind of having that burning desire. But at the beginning, uh, especially the way that Ajad is lined out now, then it's like the very first thing off the bat is just learning these characters, even though you don't know any of the language. Right. And that's for like a couple months. So that's not fun, honestly. And you're also listening to Japanese that you don't understand all day, which isn't fun either. And I mean, you can make it more fun with your mindset and you can make it exciting and thrilling. But yeah, it's like if you're not if, if you're learning it because you feel like you should do it, not because you honestly down like in the bottom of your heart really want to, then you're not going to stick with it. And most people don't stick with it. Right. Oh, yeah, definitely. More, more. Uh, yeah. When someone says to me like something like I want to learn Japanese, but I don't have a lot of time. And, I don't, you know, then I say, OK, well, just don't don't try, because I think I think I think it's something especially the agent method is so it is hardcore, but that's why it works. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I get a lot of people who because I mean, I kind of noticed this might sound a little controversial, but. Like I notice a lot of people coming from at least like uh, like the United States, they have this mindset of that they should be entitled to everything in the world that they want. Okay. You know, like they feel very entitled. And so it's like someone's like, like, hey, I have a, a job and three kids. And also I like to go skiing on the weekends. Like your myth is bad because I don't have enough time to do it. You know, Where it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, well, I mean, and, and they're like, hey, how can I make age at work, even though that I only have like an hour a day to dedicate to this? Where it's like no one said that. Like you should be able to master an, an, another language in a relatively short amount of time with like, well, having it be a side project, you know? Yeah, well, like, yeah, yeah. that's 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 why. But that's why these bullshit. I always pick on Japanese power when I want. But that's I, to me, that's the worst because it, it is this thing like, oh, just fit 20 minutes a day. That's all you need. You know, uh, you could have a six pack in 20 minutes a day if you do, you know, 10, 10 sit ups every day. It's the same kind of bullshit that is controlling the Internet right now. You know, everyone loves that kind of stuff. Easy solutions to problems. But this is an easy solution, but it's easy only in the methods. It's difficult in practice, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing with AJAD is that the more hardcore you go, actually, the easier it gets. Because mm -hmm. basically, I mean, the more time you're spending with Japanese, then the faster your gains are going to be. And it's feeling that you're making progress that really creates motivation. It's like when you are watching a show and you understand a word that you learned yesterday and you have this feeling of like, wow. I wouldn't have understood this yesterday, but I understood it today. And you just know that you're getting better all the time. That creates a bunch of motivation. So then you go a little bit harder 
And then you get you make even more gains and then you have even more motivation. So you get this positive feedback loop going. And it especially mm-hmm. happens once you kind of move past the total beginner stage so that you there is stuff you can understand. And and so basically by going hardcore, you actually progress fast enough that you can feel your progress. And that creates motivation to keep going. And the other thing is that, like, if you're if your whole life's in Japanese, you're not seeing like you don't even know about what the cool new like Hollywood movies are coming out. Right. Or the the cool new Trump drama that like the stupidest thing Trump just said or whatever. It's like, you're not even hearing about that. So there's no temptation to go and look at it. You know, it's only tempting if it's in the corner of your eye and you're actively avoiding it. But if you don't even know it exists, you're not tempted to go do it. So there actually is this weird phenomenon where if you cross a certain threshold and you go hardcore enough, it becomes more effortless. You know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. For me, that's what the case was too. Like when I, I forgot first, I would kind of like, let me just do these stupid, you know, beginner books and shit. And that didn't work for me. You don't feel those improvement, but if you go hardcore as much as you can, and for me, it was seeing kanji on the street where I was like, oh, I just got that one. I started that one yesterday. What the fuck? You know, because, you know, when you first get to Japan, as you know, it's just a world of, of, of lines <laughs> and you're like, what are all these? It's just a world of nothingness. It's all this. All the kanji look the same, basically, right? Because just all something. I don't know what that is. So you check out. But once you start hazing, it's really crazy how like, oh, I know that. I saw that. That means, I don't know, water. And, you know, you're like, okay, then, then it's a whole new world starts opening up. And that's where the hype train starts going. Like, okay, I love this stuff. And I was like, you know, I got into it hardcore. Uh, but anyways, okay. So let's go to, to people that aren't on the train yet. As you can see, I'm just agreeing with everything you're saying, which is not the most interesting thing. So what kind of, what do you say is wrong with these people? What's wrong with these kind of other methods, right? So, you know, Genki, Japanese, all this bullshit books that jet, jets, they give to the jets these days. Wanikani, Memorize. Uh, what is it about these that aren't popular? Is Can you get fluent using any other methods besides all Japanese all the time, do you think? Well, I mean, the bottom line is that, like, if you don't spend thousands of hours with the language, you're not going to be able, you're not going to get fluent in it, right? Like, because you're basically teaching your brain, you're installing a new operating system onto your brain, right? Like, it's at the bottom, like, we think in language for the most part, like, it's at the very foundation of the whole way we see the world. And so... You can't build that on top of a foundation of English, right? Like, yeah. like if, if you think about like I, I heard this metaphor yesterday that I thought was really good where it's like your language is like the house that you live in. And so in order to really get fluent, you have to build a whole new house from the ground up. But what the other what a lot of the more popular programs do is it just builds like a, another like room inside of the English house that, with like a Japanese flavor on it. Yeah, yeah. like. If you're just like learning to convert, like you're learning grammar rules that let you convert your native language into Japanese and you're just memorizing like, okay, dog equals inu and stuff like that. It's like you're really just learning a new way to speak your your native language. You mm-hmm. know, the, the foundation is on English. And so there's there's like a hard ceiling of how far you can get by doing that. You have to really just go to like start completely at zero and make the like connections between Japanese itself, not connect that to your other learn your other language English. And the thing is that like some people think that, okay, well I'll just start with the beginner methods. And and then once I hit that ceiling, then I'll convert over. But the thing is, is that like the, the way the brain works, like it kind of understands the world through making connections. Right. So once you've made all these really strong connections, like des equals it, or, or like whatever, like all those connections of all these vocab and grammar rules and everything, that's really hard to undo. Yeah. You know, it's it's always going to be kind of connected in your brain, even if you let that connection get like fade out a little bit. It's all it's kind of a handicap and habits are really hard, like are really tricky things. Right. So if you have a habit of like you always say this thing this one way, that's kind of unnatural. It's like a lot going to be a lot of work to stop doing that and correct that. And so it's easier to just build good habits the first time than build bad habits and then have to correct them. So that's 
that's kind of the, the basic philosophy. And I mean, not like like you mentioned, Wani Connie and stuff. It's like some stuff is better than others. And and it's like a, not to just throw them all away, but I kind of feel like like you know how good a language program is based off how many hours it suggests you should be spending with the raw language. Like, I mean, the other thing that I think the, those biggest programs uh, kind of do is they don't like they have this mindset. They encourage the mindset of, oh, I'm going to go watch anime without subtitles once I'm fluent, which makes no sense, because the only way you're going to get fluent is through watching the anime without subtitles for like a couple hundred hours. So yeah. Ajax says, like, no, look, start watching anime from day one and then through that you'll get fluent. And so. A lot of the, the the biggest thing I see people doing wrong is they don't actually spend any time with real Japanese. They only spend time with the baby materials that are that are pretty far from what the real thing is. And then and they have this mindset of, oh, I'll convert over to the big boy stuff once I can do it. But that's like that's like saying, oh, I'll, I'll stop riding with training wheels once I can already do it. Right. It's like it doesn't you're never going to learn to do it, how to do it without going through the failure. Mm, good stuff. So how about for some people that come to Japan or want to learn Japanese aren't kind of they don't need to get to this level of affluency, right? They just kind of want to be able to live in Japan, have a comfortable, you know, a comfortable year or two, right? So you probably wouldn't recommend for them this method, right? If you're not going to be in Japan for a long time or use Japanese for a long time, it probably isn't for you, right? This kind of dedication you need over time, right? Yeah, I mean, honestly not. Because, I mean, the other thing is that, like, language ability, it's not something that you just, like, you get it and then you're good. Right. It's, it's a lot. It's something that requires a lot of maintenance after you already have it. You know, it's mm-hmm. like working out. It's like you can't just, you know, work out in the gym for like a year, build a lot of muscle and be like, OK, cool. I'm buff now. I never have to go to the gym again. You know, or yeah, it's yeah. more like brushing your teeth or breathing. It's like you can't just binge a whole bunch one day and then like take a week off. You have to actually be constantly ma- uh, maintaining it. And so if you are like, cool, I'm going to go uh, spend a couple years in Japan and it'll be really fun and then I'll go back to the US. It's like there's not really a point in building this ability because if you don't have intention to maintain it for the rest of your life, it's really like a life commitment if you want to stay at a high level. Because I think of language as a tool, right? Uh, and so like Katsumoto used the metaphor of a knife. Like if your knife isn't sharp, you can't, you're not going to be able to cut very much. Mm. And so it's not an end in itself. Like playing music is an end in itself. If you can play a song on the guitar, then that's cool, right? It's it's like the whole point is that it's you can play a song on guitar now, but language, it's like you use language to do other activities, to communicate and to like take in information and stuff and express yourself. And yeah. so if if you have kind of low level language ability, it doesn't have that much value. You know, it's not it's not that much you can do with it. And and it, it like it deteriorates very quickly without maintenance. And so it's like, yeah, it's like you're, it's, I don't think it's worth putting in all that work at the first time if you don't have the intention to like make that your lifestyle your whole life like Katsumoto said the language isn't a hotel it's 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 a home you know you're you move into it you don't just chill there for a week and then go back to your old home one thing I want to point out there is uh you know language is a tool right so many people think if I get Japanese I can be a translator uh just because uh, well I had no Japanese now Uh, that's something I want to be sure to say is not like that uh it's also you have to get the skill of translation as well it's not just I know the word that works there it's it's a whole skill there to uh uh, itself there, but anyways. Uh, so, um, how about from? I still remember, by the way, for me, uh, like you said, it's something you have to keep on going. I still remember the day I had a streak of not to toot my own horn here, but I have I have an Anki deck with fifteen thousand cards. Uh, I did it every day for six or something years or something. I still remember the day I didn't do my cards for the first time, and uh, <laughs> that was after I had my child, and uh, now I have two kids. So yeah, my. I can see, and even now I work in Japanese all the time, right? I'm translator, right? So I'm doing translation. Even, but since I don't do my reps like I should, and I don't live in the Japanese world as much as I used to, I have seen a, a definite decrease in, uh, well, gains are non-existent. 
and my uh i've fallen into traps right like so like i know how to do the, say this that's what i'm gonna say so it's definitely something that you gotta f- be sure it's something you really want to continue right because even myself it was a whole hardcore age all, all japanese all the time person i let it drop because I, it's no one's fault but mine by the way i'm gonna say it's it's i know it's fault. i definitely if i want to do it hard enough i could make the time but i don't so but yeah i can see that's just it's a very hardcore thing so you know how about for for you, it's how long have you? Let's learn a bit about that. How long have you been doing it? And how long have you been? You know, you've if it's been two years for you or something, that seems like a, that's a long time for sure. But how do you plan on keeping it going for ten years after you get married? Let's say after you have kids, it's going to be a lot of time. You know, commitment in other areas, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I definitely say it takes less, like a significantly less amount of time to maintain than to actually make games. You know, mm-hmm. like to. to like the better you get, the more dedication it takes to make games. Like for me now, if I want to really improve my Japanese, I need to be going really hardcore because I already have all the like I those diminishing returns, right? And anything else. Yeah. And so, uh, but to maintain it, it only like probably an hour or two a day is kind of like uh, enough to for the most part. Like if I like talk to a Japanese person one one day, like once a week on Skype, and then I like every night I like w- watch it a couple TV shows in Japanese and during the day I read a book or something, it's like my ability will change and my vocab can still increase if I keep making my reviewing my Anki cards and everything. Yeah. And so, but it definitely, I mean, there has been times where it, it still does feel like a burden because it's kind of like, like, cause I mean, their English is such a powerful language in that it's really kind of the language of the world right now. And I remember like when I was really interested in learning about meditation last year, there were just weren't really any good resources in Japanese. Oh, uh, there was and all the best resources, like the ones, the books written by like the people who also had a PhD in neuroscience or the people who'd actually like gone and studied with Buddhist monks for like 10 years. It's like they were writing in English and they hadn't been translated in, into Japanese yet. And so it kind of just felt like, oh, man, I want to really I want to read this right now, but I have to read something in Japanese today so that I don't get worse. Mm, and it, yeah. it's like it kind of does has felt like a burden at times. And I mean, I think a lot of it's because is because I'm not in Japan. Like if I was in Japan, I think it would just in general be a lot more relevant. Like it's hard yeah. to keep it relevant, even even though I have to like, there's nothing, there's no force from the outside encouraging me to use Japanese. It's all on me to do it myself because yeah. my whole family, they don't know any Japanese. No one in my neighborhood knows any Japanese. Uh, and so I think it would be a lot easier in Japan and it just, it'd naturally be more relevant. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to know how about like, uh, you know, I know all uh, Japanese all the time is input. Input is the only thing that matters. But I, th- I would argue that at some point though, you have to you have to twitch it, right? You do have to talk to some Japanese people, real Japanese people, to get like the cadence and stuff like that. Oh right? yeah, so, yeah. Definitely. What do you think I th- about that? I think that I think one of the weaknesses of age adders is that they just put put that off forever. And I'm no exception to this. Like I, I'm guilty of this as well. But it definitely the way I think about it is that through input, you're building your potential. You know, but to actually turn that potential into real ability, it takes actual practice. And so input alone, I mean, you will be able to you can reach basic fluency, but you're not going to sound like an all star unless you really get like you wire it all into your tongue. Right. And you kind of build the habits and everything. Yeah. And so but and so I do kind of think that I mean, I recommend that you should start practicing after like 18 months to to two years, which sounds like a really long time. But it's not that much when you think about a baby when a baby starts speaking. But yeah, but after that, I mean, I th- I think it's more like a ratio. Like you probably want to have like a nine to one ratio between input to output. But yeah, at the end of the day, uh, you have to practice speaking to get good at speaking. 
Yeah, know? yeah. So just don't forget about that. For I think I yeah, did that. Yeah. I did that a little too. I got, I got caught in that trap myself. Like I was like, well, I want to get to this certain level before I start really talk trying to talk to people. And then you'd always push it off, push it off, and it goes, goes. Um, yeah. So for, well, where I found you was your YouTube, uh, Matt versus Japan on YouTube. By the way, this is kind of how he spreads his knowledge of of all Japanese all the time, his ideas about it. Uh, so what can we expect? What kind of you know specific stuff can we expect to find on that YouTube channel? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess I'm kind of filling in the blanks of the original AJAT site because there's a lot of the, I mean, more nitty gritty details that Kasumoto kind of left out or he's kind of like, just go figure it out, dude. And he doesn't really tell you like how to get Anki to work or like, like, for example, if you take listening, right, he's like, he just says, hey, listen all the time. And then that was pretty much it. But for example, I kind of discovered like, hey, there's actually like a couple different, like I break down listening into three different categories. You have your active listening. And then you're partially active listening when you're like on the bus, but you're still paying attention. And then you're truly passive listening that's in the background. And like I have this strategy where I have a separate MP3 player that's not my phone that I have headphones plugged into. And I just keep that going all day because if you have a little MP3 player, the batteries are normally really good. And so that way you can just always pop pop the headphone in mm-hmm. anytime you want without uh, like it doesn't have to you don't have to pause it when you get a phone call or anything. And it's just in general, really a really easy way to make doing immersion easy and that's like just something i thought of you know that cosmo i had to kind of experiment and figure out cosmo didn't really explain and so there's a lot of little things like that that uh i kind of i mean i've been doing agent for like six years now so i just i tried a lot of stuff and i like tinkered with a lot of stuff and now i kind of have uh and you know i struggled through a lot of stuff as well and so now i kind of i'm filling in all all the the blanks and answering all the questions that i had and everyone else has that before you just had to figure out you're on your own you know yeah 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 so kind of Gives you kind of the how to, tools, uh, kind of Katsumoto offered the the way, and you kind of give the kind of the tools to help that make that way be a little yeah, easier yeah. to to the path easier to walk down, kind of yeah. Um, so how about and also I wanted to talk about one thing you uh, you you also have Patreon stuff, so that's that's your your Patreon though is a really kind of interesting way of doing it, right? So what do you if I you know donate on your Patreon, what I can expect in return for that? Yeah, well, okay, so just to, to preface that, like all my my main videos that have like the most important content are all on my YouTube channel for free like that anyone can watch. But on my Patreon channel, there's I have a couple different tiers on Patreon, like you can set it up so that depending on how much you pledge, you can get different rewards. And so I have uh, on on I have a, a Discord server that is basically like the best place to directly ask me questions and on there. So we have people like asking questions and other people will chime in like if they have a specific issue or if they discover something cool, they'll put that on there. And I'll and I'll give my opinions and everything on questions. And so that's kind of like the best. I mean, I wish I had something like this in my day because I had so many questions, but no one to ask on anything. And so it's like if you if you leave a YouTube comment, like I'm getting so many YouTube comments every day now. And it's such an unideal place to have a conversation, because in order to really answer someone's question, you need to have a little bit of a back and forth. And so really, it's like this is the best platform if you actually want to get some help on on an issue that I might be able to help you with. And uh, and yeah, and also like there's people finding new resources all the time and it always gets posted on there. So it's pretty cool. And and so if you pay if you pledge one dollar on my Patreon, you get access to the to the chat. But you can, well, you get access to read the chat, but you can't actually uh, type in it yourself because uh, when it like up until recently, it was set. So one dollar anyone could go in the chat. But my Patreon grew to the point where there was too many people just like spamming questions with that. They shouldn't that, that, that show they didn't even watch my videos in the first place and didn't read the original website. And it was just chaos. So now it's kind of there's like a paywall where it's ten dollars if you actually want to participate in the chat and like have me use my personal time to be work with you on an issue. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So we LT Insiders Discord as well. So yeah, it'd be easier to easy to show people what you're going on there. Um. So yeah, I want to know like how about for like 
I want to give a little bit of a timeline out there because some people, this sounds like a big idea, right? So this, for a lot of people, they're hearing it. This might be the first time they've ever heard of it, right? So it's kind of a big thing we just dropped, right? All Japanese all the time. So can you give us a little bit of a, a in a you know, a short way, know, not a game plan. I guess a game plan is a good way to say it. A game plan, right? So let's say I'm starting from zero and I want to do this. I, I Matt versus Japan is an awesome dude. I want to do just like he did. What, what? Give me some of the steps they can do, right? What do they do f- starting tomorrow to get, get on their path, right? What can they do? Okay, so first of all, set it up so that Japanese will be entering your ears as much as, much as possible, as many hours a day as possible. It doesn't matter if you understand it. Don't even think of it as listening. Think of it as just hearing Japanese. And then you want to, you know, download the program Anki, which is the flashcard program that tells you when to review optimally so that you don't forget anything. Get a copy of Remembering the Kanji and just start learning all the kanji. And you can do like 25, 30 a day, no problem, if you have a time to sit down and study every day. And so then within, so for the first three months, you're just listening all the time and you're learning the kanji. Then after three months, you know, the kanji, you learn some basic grammar uh, and just enough to get you out into the wild. Like this is what I call it, into real Japanese. And so then after like you're four months in, you just start like you get TV shows you like in Japanese. Like a lot of people like anime, you know, so you can t- you can take your favorite anime and or your favorite manga and just like go through it and try to find sentences that are I plus one, which means you understand all of it, but one word or one component. And then you look up that component that you didn't know. And then if you understand the sentence, then you, you put that in your flashcard deck. You put the set. You actually memorize the sentence itself. And you're not translating it into English or anything. You just like you're learning to understand in Japanese from the beginning. And you basically just keep doing this. Like you try to make like get 10, 20 sentences each day that you add into your flashcard deck that ensures you never forget anything. And you're then you're contacting Japanese all the time. And then within like six, like six months total to you should probably be up to like 50 percent comprehension because the way that that it works is that uh, the most common like 200 words in the language make up like almost 80 percent of the whole language. And so, like, you're going to learn those pretty quickly. It's just a matter of can your ears adjust to how fast Japanese is going. And then after, like, a year, you should be understanding probably, like, 70, 80, 90 percent, depending on what you're watching. Uh, but you probably still won't be able to produce it yourself yet. But if you continue to get to, like, 18 months, two years, then uh, you should – your once your comprehension rate starts to reach, like, 99, like 98, 99 percent on, like, basic stuff, you know, like anime, drama, TV shows, uh, maybe not, you know, like – world war ii documentaries or something but (laughs) well yeah then it it should start coming pretty naturally because you've just the way it works is that it's like you know what a japanese person says when they want to go to the bathroom because you've seen a japanese person say like or something like you've like heard that so many times that you just you know it's like it's like how when you're a kid you'd see the same commercial so many times and you would memorize the whole commercial without even trying right like the whole language has to feel like that and like not the unit of sentences i mean it's a words but the unit of sentences Mm -hmm, yeah Yeah. and that I think like the it's it really is kind of like a magic, right? But the magic it requires you to put in the work, right? It's like <laughs> it's like Yeah, you know yeah. Well, I mean, I, mean I, I think a, a good a good metaphor is growing like growing plants, right? It's like uh when you grow a plant, you you plant the seed, you you know, you you cover it up with the soil, you you water it, you give it sunshine, and then you pretty much just wait. Mm. And it's like magic. You know, when you think about it, it just from this little seed you get a whole plant. It seems like magic, but that's I mean, we understand how that actually works but the thing is is that once you have you know a little one foot tall baby tree you can't just like stretch it with your hands to try to make it taller yeah right it's like you're you're in the same way you're not the one learning japanese you're just setting it up so that you kind of like your unconscious mind figures it out for you just like Mm -hmm. a baby right it seems like magic but that's how you learned your first language Mm -hmm. right and so it's like you you kind of just got to set up the conditions feet give yourself enough sunshine and then uh water and then wait and 
the magic does yeah. happen. It's, and it's it's obvious the 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 detractors of this method kind of you know it's not it's not easy, right? It isn't. It is the most not easy way to do it. Not, but I, but I promise you, it does it did work for me. I, I got I got you know a job in Japanese from this. You know, obviously Matt's not helping a lot of people with that. And a lot of people, it, it just, it does work. I don't know how it's does. I know I'm just pitching as hard as I can, but if you really want to learn Japanese, yeah, it's, yeah, the well, way, it's the way to do it, I think, you know? I mean, for me, the bottom line, what, like trying to argue with people on the internet about whether this is, it's, it works or not, is just like, like, okay, there's this other guy, Brit vs. Japan, who he's been learning Japanese for two years with AJAT, and he has a video of him speaking Japanese, and he sounds fluent. I mean, he's not perfect. But he sounds fluent. I just uploaded an interview on my channel with someone named Ben, who's also just just past two years of age adding. And I also uploaded a video of him speaking Japanese and he sounds great. He's like totally fluent. Where are the people using the alternative methods who got fluent in two years outside of Japan? You know, like I don't yeah, see yeah. a single one. So, I mean, how can you argue with that? Yeah, I think yeah, I, I think it's cool what you're doing, uh, Matt. I mean, it's cool. It's just it's good to see that the, the, the all Japanese all the time is such a strong base. And uh, it's good to see that you're, you know, continuing the legacy because obviously it's a big part of my life in Japan and it's given me a lot of stuff. So I'm glad to see you sharing it. And uh, yeah, so any kind of future plans you want to share with us? What kind of anything you're working on, anything you can expect from Matt vs. Japan on YouTube, Twitter, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to keep I have a list of common questions I get all the time. I'm just trying to burn, make videos, burn them through those and <laughs> also keep keep always leveling up my own Japanese ability and uh, trying to be uh, the best role model that I can to yeah. uh, you know because if the fi- if the figurehead doesn't have the doesn't have the chops you know that doesn't yeah, look so be, great but yeah, it'll be one of those kind of you know i show you how to do it but i don't know how to do it myself yeah you know, yeah kind of so trying yeah, to so live I'm, up <laughs> trying to uh you know follow through like follow, take my own medicine yeah yeah for sure and so i guess um how about what are kind of your goals in japanese right what's the kind of for me, my goal was always if I get to N1, I'll be happy, right? I still have, I failed that N1 test, but, uh, I, I kind of threw that goal away. I thought I realized how stupid it was, but that was kind of my goal. What's kind of your goal? What is kind of, what, what is you, what are you pushing towards is your new Japanese life? Yeah. Well, I mean, up until about like a year ago, I, I really thought about my Japanese studies as I'm trying to get to some point so that I can be done, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I didn't really know exactly what that point would look like. All I knew that it was way better than I was then. You know, it was kind of this imaginary point where I'd just be Mr. Nihongo, Japanese master. And yeah, I yeah. I guess I'd sound totally native and I could write novels. I don't I don't know. It was really vague, but <laughs> I just knew it, I wasn't good enough yet. But I still had the mindset of I'm trying to get somewhere so that I can be done. And that was a really toxic mindset because I re- like I just realized more and more like there's no end to this. Right. Like you, there, you could you always could get better. And so if I don't cut it off somewhere then I'm just like, I'm going to be spending my whole life trying to get to some imaginary point. I'm never going to get like chasing the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that really yeah. kind of set me like discouraged me for a while. And I took some time away from Japanese, but I kind of relearned, learned to reframe it as just like that. The process itself is kind of the point for me now. Like, cause I realized like I, although I thought I was trying to get to an end point, the reason why my, my golden age at years, my golden days were so fun was because that of that feeling of I'm getting better all the time. I'm moving forward. You know, I'm not stagnating. And mm. that was really what made it fun, not, even though that I still sucked. And so now I try to frame it as like the act of getting better and the act of improving is kind of the point. And so yeah. I don't really think about like I have a direction that I'm heading in, but not really a destination. I just know that, hey, like right now, for example, one thing that uh, my Japanese needs to work on is pitch accent because I neglected that for a long time and I didn't really pick it up. So now I'm going and like uh, going back and really paying attention to pitch accent when I listen to Japanese, kind of studying it, trying to improve it. And I mean, 
that's it, it made studying Japanese really fun again because now I have a new challenge to work with, you know. And yeah, so, yeah. I mean, there's so many ways I could improve. So now I'm kind of just taking it one day at a time and, and knowing that I could get better than I am now. Yeah, I guess to, to bring everyone behind the curtain here, I told Matt before this interview, I said, Matt, I'm going to try to bring up the bad points and kind of the, bring the counter arguments. But as you can see, I quickly, I ditched that plan and just I started agreeing with Matt here because I it is such a, it's something that's such a big part of my life in Japan. And I really feel so strong about that. And when you're talking there, it just brought me back to the memories of on my weekends when I was in ALT in Japan. My weekends, I would sit in front of the computer and I would make 100 cards a day, 150 cards. And I, <laughs> I look back on that. It was fun. It, it really was fun. And it's just because you are, you feel like you're getting better at something. It was just, I wish I could go back to those times kind of, you know, like I, now I'm, I'm so, I'm past that point. But also I'm kind of past my age at golden years, like you said. Like it, it is kind of a, there's a sadness there because it was so fun. So I wish, yeah, I, yeah. Hope, I hope people bring it, you know, as, as I know, hope you do. I know you do too. I hope people get to feel that same feeling. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, totally. And that's why you got to just, I really I hope that I can help people push through the initial period. And I think that's one thing that's cool about my discord is like now that people are giving each other emotional support, like getting through like, Hey, I just hit a thousand kanji. Hey, I just fit 1500 kanji. And, th- and other people see that and they realize that, Hey, I'm not, I'm kind of, we're all in this together. You know, we're going to do this. And yeah, guess you, cool. cause once you, cause there's a, hit, a point uh, where you hit, where you get that positive feedback loop going, you know, and it starts being so fun and, and it feels like your whole life is an RPG. So it's just about really getting to that point so that things can, you know, the momentum just keeps you going automatically almost. Yeah. Awesome. So guys, I mean, what else can we say? Matt vs. Japan. Thanks for stopping by. I'll send people to your YouTube, Twitter. Of course, if you want to support them, get on the, the, the discord server there so he can help you personally. Be sure to do that as well. Links will be in the show notes page. But Matt, thanks for coming on. Do, keep doing what you're doing, of course, and to keep the All Japanese All the Time train going, okay? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was really fun. Thanks for listening to the ALT Insider Podcast. For more info on how you can have more fun working in Japan, visit ALTinsider.com. See you next time.